Hey everybody, welcome to the Autocorrect Podcast. I'm Mr. B, your host, and today we have a big, big slew of things to talk about. So let's go ahead and get started. Thank you again for tuning in to the second episode of the Autocorrect Podcast with Mr. B. So had a very busy weekend. I ended up buying another car. And I say I ended up buying, but actually it was my wife that ended up buying another car. So her current car was a E46 BMW 330Ci convertible. We got it about two and a half years ago. It's uh, been a fairly good car. Just some basic maintenance issues and a couple of little uh, nagging complaints here and there. But other than that, it's been a pretty good car. But lately, it has been giving me a couple of issues. And it has a problem that's been a little bit difficult to fix. However, uh, I have some parts on order for it, and I'm hoping that it'll fix it. And it will be up for sale pretty soon. So if you're... (laughs) If you are interested in an E46 convertible, give me a shout. So she had been looking at other vehicles. We have a lot of dogs, to be honest, and a BMW convertible is not conducive to transporting dogs. So we were looking for an SUV or a truck, a four-door truck or something like that for her She really likes the feel of the sports cars, so the German feel, the import feel. She's had a couple of Volkswagens. She's had a couple of BMWs, so I was looking for that route. I was looking for everything from Turex, Cayennes, all kinds of stuff, and we started talking Saturday morning that, you know, her her car was getting a little long in the tooth. It was time for a new car. And I told her, okay, so we'll stop by the local Volkswagen dealership, Gerald Jones Volkswagen, which I am a veteran of. I used to work there for uh, cumulatively about 12 years. And I have a very good working relationship with that shop through the school where I work and everything else. No hard feelings, anything like that. So I was going to stop in and just see what they had in their inventory. Maybe they had something I didn't see because I really didn't see anything online. And... So we went and got breakfast and stopped in Saturday morning to the local dealership. And I basically told him what I was looking for because uh, she was going to be you know, paying for the vehicle. We were looking for anything too extravagant. Just wanted something with a couple of options that she really felt like she needed, she wanted. And we found pretty much the perfect car. And we just had to get the payment down to where... It was uh, affordable for us. So we don't make a whole lot of money. You know, we both work for the school system. So, you know, we can't just go out and drop coin on, you know, big balling cars. So we found the vehicle that pretty much met all her needs, except for a couple, which we knew this was going to be a compromise anyways. Buying a used car is always a compromise, right? We weren't looking for a new car. I never buy new cars just by principle. There's so much depreciation that goes on in these new cars that I've always bought used. I've bought one new car my entire life. It was in 1997. It was a Ford Ranger, and I still own it. But the uh, majority of cars I buy are going to be used or certified pre-owned, whatever. And I've owned about three or four cars that were actually in factory warranty when we got it. This is one of them. This is a, uh, we ended up selling on a 2018 Volkswagen 
Tiguan. Okay, and it was a uh, this was the you know end of the model year here, and they were going into a new body design. So uh, whenever a vehicle goes into a new body design, normally the previous body design is going to depreciate pretty quickly. So this is 2018. The 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 thing that really excited me about the vehicle was it only had 4,000 miles on it. So 4,019 miles on it, I think. And she drove the vehicle and liked it. It has the two-liter turbo in it. It's just a two-wheel drive. It's a limited, so it still had a lot of the features that she wanted, you know. But it didn't have the leather interior. Didn't have the sunroof. Didn't have the navigation, which it has the Apple CarPlay which hooks to her phone and the navigation works through her phone, which is fantastic. Matter of fact, I've got navigation on my GLI and I use my Apple CarPlay over the navigation because the navigation is a little bit outdated on my car because it's about three years old. So there's a lot of roads and everything that aren't really showing up on my navigation because a couple of things have changed around Augusta, Georgia, where I live. So anyway, it was a very painless thing. I, I came in, I told them what, I wanted as a payment, as a, you know, in and out and everything else. And Matt over there at Gerald Jones took care of me. And Bill Heckard, my salesman, took care of me. It was a fantastic transaction. And we took the car and went and ate lunch and thought about it and came back, signed papers. We were done, you know, within probably about an hour of time it took to do the car deal. And if, if you can if you can buy a car in an hour, then you're doing really good. Either either you're a good buyer or the salesman is a good salesman. So I want to talk a little bit about the sales experience because I've been a car salesman. I've been an internet sales manager at this actual dealership. And you know the game is over. I I hate to say that but the 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 bickering game the negotiation game is really over if you go in and you tell these people what you want they will pretty much be able to tell you if they can do it or not and there's that's good because you don't want any either the salesman or the customer in a unrealistic site okay so if I want to spend $400 a month on the car and I'm on the Audi side looking at the S8 that they had in the showroom and it was $148,000, beautiful car, but geez, you know, that's more than I paid for my house. Then obviously we need to kind of steer over to the Jetta SE line maybe or something like that instead of the Audi S8 that we have. And it's important in the car deal for everyone to be on the same page. So... You will see a lot of articles online, you know, consumer reports, everything. They'll tell you, you know, oh, you know, you need to not tell the salesman this, not tell the customer that, you know, as a salesman and everything else. And nowadays, you know, car car dealerships know that you know their invoice. You know, you've you've looked at this car online. If you show up at a dealership, you know, you can tell the 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 salesman that maybe you're just looking or something like that. But if you're actually an honest buyer, you know that that's a lie. And just be honest with your car salesman, okay? And car salesman, just be honest with your customer. Do not push them into something they do not want. That, first of all, is not going to give you a good CSI score. Second of all, it's not going to give you any repeat business, okay? I know because 
when I talked to Matt, I know that he was honest with me. Everything was on the up and up. There was no problem with Bill, the finance manager, which me and him go back, you know, 10 years. There's, there's no craziness going on. So I know that if I have a relative I need to send to a, you know, to buy a car, then I know I can send them there and not have to go with them and make sure they're okay. So always make sure that, you know, whether you're the salesman or the customer, first of all, as a car salesman, I've been lied to by customers way more than I've had to lie to customers, okay? I promise you that, okay? Buyers are liars, and that's a big term that we use. You know, if you tell a, if you tell a salesman, oh, well, I only got 2000 to put down, and you know you can do three to make the deal work, then you aren't telling the truth like they are. And this doesn't really have to be this complicated. We can all just work together to get the car deal done, and that's what... Me and Matt over there at Gerald Jones did, and it worked out well. My wife was extremely happy, and it worked out pretty well. We had a pretty good weekend, got it done, and we're able to finish up our Christmas shopping on Sunday. So that's what I did this weekend and ended up with my 44th Volkswagen. I may have a problem, right? <laughs> so 44th Volkswagen, and so... I've got the pictures on my Facebook page here that I'm about to put up for Car Smarts from Mr. B Facebook page if you want to see our new, 20, new to us, I guess, 2018 Volkswagen Tiguan Limited with 4,000 miles. It's brand new. It's basically got the new car smell. It's still got the little studs on the tires from being brand new. So I'm pretty excited that I actually, this one's under warranty and I won't have to work on it, right? So, okay, enough of that. Let's talk about what we're... Uh, gonna talk about next. So there was a new recall that just dropped for Kia. Okay, and it just dropped today. Kia recalls 295,000 cars in the U.S. for engine compartment fire risk. And this is a very vague recall. Now, normally when recalls come out, at least the recalls that I've seen, well, they're pretty pointed. In other words, uh, this car was recalled because of this, and the third bolt out of the transmission falls out and can cause a noise or cause a safety hazard or whatever. This recall is, is uh, pretty vague. So 294,756 U.S. market cars. So uh, it covers the 2011 through 2013 Optima Hybrid. Weird. 2012 Sportage, 2012 through 2013 Sorento, 2012 through 2015 Forte and Forte Coupe, and the 2014 through 2015 Soul. Okay, so that's a pretty broad vehicle. That's a lot of people. I see those cars a lot. So, and they're saying that the miles should be alert for engine noise, illumination of check engine light, or low oil light, fuel smell, burning smell, oil leaking, and smoke. However, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which is who puts these recalls out, uh, said there's been no manufacturing or design defect identified yet. And Kia is recalling these vehicles as a preventative measure to mitigate any unreasonable fire risk. Okay, so car fires with recalls are a big thing. Okay, and a lot of times it has to do with electrical problems. This doesn't really, to me, seem like an electrical, but... 
as a technician, you know, looking at it, I don't see maybe it's like an oil issue, fuel smell, burning smell, oil leaking, smoke, like maybe a gasket's let loose or something's happened that way. But electrical problems with cars that can possibly cause fires are a big recall issue. And the reason why is they have had people die, not because of car fires, but because a lot of people, when they go home, they put their car in their garage that's attached to their house. So there has been cases where people have had their car catch on fire and it be in their garage and it catch their house on fire and it caused fatality. So any type of fire issue, you know, of course, if you're driving down the road and your car catches on fire, you can probably get out and get far enough away from the vehicle to where it's not going to cause any issue. But if it's parked at your in your driveway and it catches on fire at three o'clock in the morning and you're asleep, then yeah, it can definitely cause some issues. So that's why we see a lot of times if there's a fire aspect to an an issue, an innate issue with the vehicle, then they will recall the car because that can definitely cause some issues. So, you know, this is really a broad, uh, it's the 2.4 liter Theta 2 engine and the Forte with the uh, Forte, Forte Coupe and Soul with the 2 liter new engine, NU engine. And I'm not a big, <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about Kias other than they're just, you know, in my head, they're kind of the, the, the big lighters of vehicles, but uh, this is a, a pretty big issue, and they're, they're fixing this voluntarily. In other words, the government's not having to force them to fix this, uh, because you have to pay a toll in this country to sell vehicles. You have to be certified by the government to do it. You can't just, this is why we have VIN numbers and a whole litany of laws that we get into for these vehicles. And if you make crappy vehicles that can cause people bodily harm, then they can make you fix that problem. So this is a big problem in the 80s and 90s, but nowadays most car manufacturers have pretty much gotten on board with the recalls and you know they've put out, that's why the TSB system has, or technical service bulletin has really taken off is because they're trying to proactively fix these issues before the NHTSA is forcing them to do it. So the fix on this, a lot of times, you know, if you have a recall, they'll have a certain fix. Like, I don't know, with Toyota stuck throttle recall, they had some different clips that they're putting on the accelerator pedal and things like that. And also the floor mat, they had to change the floor mats out. But and I've done a lot of recalls, you know, just working for Volkswagen and Audi for, for years. They were really heavy on recalls and TSB. So this is, they, they've provided a 15-year, 150,000-mile warranty coverage for engine repairs needed to connecting rod bearing damage. And they're talking about this recall. They're, they're actually, you know, said that they may replace the engine if needed. So this is probably... What I'm thinking, and I, you know, just calling it from, from reading all the information that I found online, and really they're not saying a whole lot about this. And because it's a voluntary recall, you know, Kia doesn't really have to say anything at all. 
and they're just putting out little snippets. And I haven't talked to any Kia service departments. And I haven't talked to any Kia technicians. So I'm kind of shooting off the hip. But I'm thinking this is an oiling issue that can be causing a problem with the integrity of the rotating assembly. Therefore, causing maybe a, a thrown rod. And with the rod being thrown, you know, maybe the oil coming out and hitting the exhaust and causing a fire. Um, I That's really all I can just connect the dots at however I'm not saying don't buy a Kia I'm not saying don't buy you know any of these cars I'm just guessing and we're just talking about this and this is uh I got this article from car and driver and it came out December 6th so I just wanted to put this out there for anybody that has these vehicles you need to check in with your dealership check in with your service advisor at the dealership and just see if your car is accessible with this and go ahead and set you up an appointment to get it checked because I definitely don't want any of my listeners to have any issues with this car. So I'm not bashing Kia for having this issue. You know, it could be something pretty innate that's just causing an issue or they could be seeing a repeat of maybe a, a weak part in the rotating assembly. I don't know. And all we can do is guess. And I'm not here to speculate. I'm just here to kind of guide you all into a, a, a higher education on automotive so okay so let's go on to the next topic if you have one of these vehicles and you're a little bit worried about that just shoot me a line on facebook and let me uh know what you're thinking and because these cars are becoming very very popular i know a couple of people that have them and i've worked on a couple so just let me know what you think about the new kia recall on the rotating assembly on the engine so okay let's talk about our next topic so one of the things that I was looking at when we were um, talking about buying another car is the certified pre-owned programs a lot have. And the car that I bought actually did not have enough miles to qualify for certified pre-owned. Because not only does certified pre-owned have a ceiling where, you know, maybe over 60,000 miles certified pre-owned doesn't kick in, but it also has a floor. So because the vehicle that we bought, the little... Uh, Tiguan that we bought only has 4,000 miles on it. It didn't qualify for the certified pre-owned program. So I just have the factory warranty, you know, six-year warranty that's on it. And it's always nice, of course. But most car manufacturers back, you know, for the last 20, 25 years or so have had what they call a certified pre-owned program. And when they get trade-ins or buy cars from auction, they do an inspection. The service department does an inspection, and it can be X amount of points. And each car manufacturer has their own process for certified pre-owned. So I'm not I'm talking here in broad terms, but they'll certify the vehicle and extend the factory warranty out a certain amount of time, and that will cover you know mostly at least powertrain points, or if not bumper to bumper. So it may cover bumper to bumper. And so Honda now is using a more affordable used car lineup online and some of the vehicles that they are putting on their used car lineup honda themselves are vehicles that do not fall within the certified pre-owned spectrum that they themselves have set up and starting on december 7th an influx of used vehicles up to 10 years old so you're talking about cars that that could be up to 10 years old Used vehicles for both Honda and Acura is doing this as well. Now, 
Honda and Acura will be a separate. They'll have a separate website for each or a separate part of the website for each. I'm not sure. The 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 uh, As of recording, this hasn't launched yet. The goal is to lower the bar for car buyers to get to the Honda and Acura brands when they are young and become a brand loyal for life. So what car manufacturers are starting to see is the younger people that are getting into these cars. Now, I'm not talking about the, the 25, 30-year-olds. I'm talking about the 16, 18-year-olds. If they get them into a Honda or Acura at that age, which might be an issue with money because most 16, 18-year-olds you know, are working smaller jobs and don't have the, the, the money to put out. But if they can get an older car and they can afford an older car, then maybe they can build some what we call brand loyalty. So brand loyalty is such a big thing with this new generation come up, the Zoomers and even the, the younger millennials. And you can see it in other things. You can see it in you know the PS5, Xbox. You can see it in the Android, iPhone whole debate. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to get these drivers and these car owners earlier so they can give them a car that's reliable and can get them back and forth to school. But they, they are looking for that brand loyalty, that that emblem that says, hey, this is what I'm about. I'm a Honda guy. I'm a Toyota guy. I'm a whatever guy. And brand loyalty is very, very important to the younger generation. Not so much I'm Gen X, you know, not so much us. You know, of course, you know, Volkswagen, Audi, stuff like that is important to me. But for most of the people that I know, I mean, I've seen my friends jump out of a Grand Am into a Honda, into a whatever. You know, a lot of people are not brand loyal, but these younger generation are. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to get that 18, 19 year old college student that can't afford the certified pre-owned, you know, Accord that's $22,000, but maybe they can afford the Civic that's $12,000. And I'm going to put you in the Civic, which is still a good car, and it still gets you back and forth to school still. And once you graduate and you start your new job, then maybe... I can get you into a new court, a new Civic, a new whatever. And so that's what they've been doing. They've been taking these cars, these trade-ins, these you know, cars that have been loved a little bit longer, and they've been putting them into this program, and they have been promoting them. So... There's a big opportunity, this is a quote too, there's a big opportunity in that six to eight year old range. And when you look at the overall used car market, it's close to 40 million cars a year. So 40 million cars a year are traded hands used in this country. And the U.S. new car market is good for about 17 million. So this is uh, Dan Rodriguez, manager of auto marketing at American Honda. And this is also a car and driver. Uh, car and driver has been pretty, pretty, uh, important to me on this podcast but so there's a big opportunity for this and Honda is reaching out there and they're trying to take this opportunity and I really don't see any other car manufacturer taking this opportunity now I see used car businesses CarMax places like that that are taking these opportunities 
to get these people in cars, but they don't have a vested interest in selling anybody a Honda. They don't have a vested interest in selling anybody anything. They want to sell them another car, and then after that, they want to sell them another car. They're not trying to build a brand. They're trying to sell a car. Where Honda, Toyota, anybody else is trying to build a brand, they're trying to build some type of loyalty into car ownership. So, my, you know, b before me, my, my father's generation, they had a loyalty because their parents owned a, a whatever. They're, yeah, you know, uh, my dad owned a Cadillac. I want to own a Cadillac. My dad owned a Chevrolet. I'm going to own a Chevrolet. I'm a Chevrolet man. I'm a Ford man, whatever. My uncle worked for the union, whatever. There is no such loyalty family-wise with my generation or the generations that came behind me. So what they're trying to do is hit the ground running and get these vehicles into the hands of consumers. Now, they're still going to have the same type of checks. The certified pre-owned cars have. They're just not going to have the warranty stretch the certified pre-owns have. And I think it's really a good idea. And it's something that a lot of car manufacturers are really need to embrace is their used cars that they have in. You know, you have a, a following that's not buying your new cars. However, they are buying service. They are buying parts. And they are a four-wheeled billboard for your product. And if you buy a 10-year-old Volkswagen and don't like it, you're going to come and cuss out Volkswagen. And if you bought a brand new Volkswagen and don't like it, you're going to come and cuss out Volkswagen. So the positive and negative PR for car ownership is going to be the same versus whether you have a 20-year-old car or a brand new car. Okay. So the the car manufacturer grabbing up these opportunities, I think, is going to net them an investment and it's going to be an investment to more new car sales down the road because maybe maybe the 18 year old kid that buys the used civic under this program may buy the certified pre-owned accord and then maybe has a kid and buys a brand new honda odyssey i don't know pilot whatever so Brand loyalty is obviously important enough to Honda and Acura to do this type of thing. And I think you're going to see some more car manufacturers start this up. So I think it's a good idea. Uh, what do you think about it, though? Let me know on my Facebook page. I'm going to put the article up by the time this podcast uh, falls down. So look at Car Smarts Mr. B on Facebook. Also, as always, check out my YouTube channel, Car Smarts with Mr. B. You'll find the best in automotive repair videos on car smarts with mr b and i try my best but i can really use some more ideas what do y'all want to see in video form from me and i'm willing to do requests i'm willing to do all kinds of stuff so let me know on my facebook page and let me know i'm also on instagram i'm also on twitter if you're in uh europe or eastern europe um on VK as well. So, all right. So for the next and our last topic for the show, there's something I want to talk about and I'm kind of scared to talk about it guys, because this is not a political show. However, in the United States where I live, we did have an election and we have a changing of guard coming in January for our president. So that has its own ramifications on the car company and on the car manufacturers. And I think, I think we really need to hit on this. So uh, it appears that 
Biden will be uh, Joe Biden will be taking the reins of the federal government come January. I'm not going to argue whether that's right or wrong. This is not a political show. Okay. However, Trump and Biden have two different ideas of how the automotive manufacturing or manufacturing in general are going to be run in this country. Now, I'm not saying either are right or wrong, but I'm saying we need to discuss it. So what Biden, what, what, what does that mean for the auto industry? And I think we're going to see a little trend towards more electric cars and renewable energy. The reason why is that's what the electorate, that's what the people that have voted for Biden are wanting. So with that being said, I think we've seen some campaign promises coming from Biden, especially with the charging stations. So right now, as of the election end, there are currently 27,021 charging stations, according to the U.S. Department of Energy, and Biden envisions 500,000 spread across the part of the country. So we're talking about, you know, just a huge amount more charging stations. And of course, charging stations are one of the things that a lot of the buyers of electric cars are kind of fearing or, you know, the people that are looking to buy electric cars are looking at. So where am I going to charge this thing? Of course, I could charge it out front, front of my house, but if I go across town, am I going to have a charging station, so on and so forth. So I think you're going to see more tax breaks come up for purchase of hybrids and electric cars. And that's one thing that we see kind of wane off. And that's one thing that's causing the huge depreciation of some of these electric cars is the, the value of the vehicle is not counting the, you know, the payout that the government gave you for buying the vehicle. So when Obama was around, we had a, a stimulus plan for electric vehicles and they would give you a subsidy. They would give you X amount of dollars off as form of tax credit if you bought an electric vehicle. However, that has expired and we're starting to see maybe a glimpse of that coming back. So this is why the Chevy Volt has fallen 60% in values because that, that percentage has gone away, that stipend has gone away. So I think we're gonna start to see some more federal some type of stimulus programs for these automotive manufacturers that are producing fully electric or hybrid vehicles. And that is going to cause an increase in that technology. It's also going to cause an increase in R&D. We're going to see a lot of automotive manufacturers now putting out hybrids and plug-in vehicles. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm not here to judge that. I'm just telling you what's coming. Okay. As a technician, we need to be prepared for that. As sales, we need to be prepared for that. As car owners, we need to be prepared for that. So electrified vehicles will play an increasingly critical role in the industry with dozens of new all-electric vehicles from the Ford Mustang Mach-E, Tesla Cybertruck. And those two are big game changers, and they're due out in the next two years. So we're going to see kind of where those are revolutionary vehicles. We're going to start seeing those hit the market soon. And that is going to give us more of a glimpse of where the future is going with these electric cars. Now, I can do a whole podcast on electric cars, and I probably will. However, I'm just trying to keep this down to what politically may happen. Okay. So also, we're starting to see a different look at cafe standards on fuel economy. 
I don't know if you know what a CAFE standard is. It's a corporate average fuel economy. So if you hear CAFE standards, that's taking your Ford Fiesta and your F-350 and averaging it out. And that's your CAFE standards with all other vehicles in there as well. That's taking every vehicle across a spectrum and averaging it out. You have to have a CAFE standard for the corporation. So that's why if I want to make X amount of F-350s, I have to make X amount of hybrids or plug-in hybrids. So those cars are going to offset that CAFE standard and still allow Ford Motor Company and Chevrolet and Chrysler to make those larger, less fuel economy vehicles that sell so well. So you're also going to see the emission standard change. So, you know, with the Paris Agreement and everything that now that we're out of, I think we're going to go back to it and we're going to start seeing a big change in emissions laws. So that's going to really change the way we look at how cars are supposed to run. So also key campaign promise he had calls for the creation of 1 million new jobs and everything from new and improved roads to EV charging stations. So this is supposed to be a job stimulus program as well. I'm not quite sure how he's going to pull this out. I've looked at a lot of the plans that he thinks he has, and I just don't know. I just don't see how you can put all this together so quickly. So we're going to see how it works though. I, I've got, you know, a lot of high hopes for the automotive industry. I think we're on the other edge of, you know, a turndown and I'm hoping that the automotive industry bounces back, but I'm not sure. I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess you could say. So that does it for this podcast for episode two of the autocorrect podcast with mr b thank you so much for listening to my podcast i promise you i'm trying to get better and i'm really sharpening my craft i've been listening to a lot of podcasts and, and kind of figuring out which direction i want to go so this is uh just number two i'm already planning number three i've got a couple of things going on let's talk about the on the next podcast let's talk about the extinction of the manual transmission. So I think that's a very important topic to talk about and how the rise of the automatic transmission and the DSG dual clutches and things like that started to push the manual transmission out. And for the next podcast, I want you all to think about, just think in your head before you click next, manual transmissions or fully electric vehicles? Which one was sold more in 2019? Was it the manual transmission or was it the, the fully electric vehicle? So think about Teslas and things like that. Or was it a vehicle with a manual transmission? So I want you all to think about that. And when we go to the next podcast, just keep that in your mind. And so signing off for now, Mr. B with AutoCorrect. We'll see you next time on AutoCorrect with Mr. B.